Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Growing up in Minneapolis, I had more seasons than I could handle. For so much of the year, I wished for summer. Now, I live in a place where winter is only a metaphor, where those dark months bring green and flowers and rain. After 16 years in Oakland, I still don't miss the winter. But I've come to appreciate seasons more as I've gotten older, and not just those of the weather. I didn't grow up with the season of Lent as a part of my faith tradition. I always thought it was something for Catholics, and all that business with the ashes and fasting seemed a little morbid to me. But the more I learn about what Lent actually is, the more I value its rhythms. It's a season that gives us permission to grieve and lament, that tells us that it's okay to not always be happy. This year especially, I need that. I want to give a nod to George W. Cornell, Dean of American Religion Writers, during the more than four decades he covered the beat for the Associated Press. He died in 1995, and he was respected and admired by both his colleagues and by religious leaders and readers throughout the world. His work has impressed upon me how intricately different faith traditions are connected and how much we can learn from each other. In a story he wrote in 1991, he said, Although Muslims have become a growing part of the U.S. population, Islamic specialists say that there is scant understanding of that faith among others, or of its expressed connections with Judaism and Christianity. All three monotheistic religions are interlinked, both Christianity and Islam finding prophetic roots in the older mother religion of Judaism. The chain of observances opens in Islam, which, in its own way, includes champions of all three faiths, Islam's founder Muhammad, the Jewish hero of Passover Moses, and Christianity's savior Jesus. Muslims regard Jews and Christians as the people of the book, the designation applied to them by Islam's scriptures, the Quran, referring to the Bible. While many Westerners of predominantly Judeo-Christian affiliations regard Islam as a remote foreign faith of which they know little, the Quran says of Jews and Christians, O people of the book, come to common terms as between us and you, that we worship none but God. When I read George Cornell's words, it strikes me that 25 years later, we still don't do a very good job of understanding each other. It's so much easier to be threatened by our differences instead of seeing in them an opportunity to examine our own preconceived notions about the world. Whether or not we ascribe to monotheism or to any kind of religion at all, there's wisdom in these ancient rhythms. They connect us to history. It's nearly impossible to celebrate Lent or Ramadan or Passover without contemplating the historical events that inspired them. That remembering and the practices of prayer, fasting, and generosity that often go along with these observations force us to slow down and look honestly at our own lives. They give us rhythms of life that allow us to celebrate and mourn. They challenge our assumptions about the way we live. They call into question our daily schedules, our priorities, and even our culture. This year, Lent began for me with some very disappointing news. For most of the past year, 
I've been working on a project that included another podcast and a very involved Fulbright application, which, if I got it, would provide funding for me to complete my project in Mexico, where my family and I would relocate for the following year. The Fulbright is a wonderful U.S. Department of State program, started in 1945 by Senator J. William Fulbright after World War II as a way to create peaceful cultural exchanges with the idea of international partnerships at its core. Ten years ago, I did a student Fulbright in the Philippines. It was a year that changed me forever. This time around, I'd applied for the Senior Scholar Fulbright, and in December, I'd learned that I was a finalist. But the morning after Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent, I was walking through the hallway of cherry blossoms that lines our street that time of year. This was late February. I had no inkling then of how drastically our world would change in a matter of a few weeks. I certainly didn't imagine I'd be doing this podcast or sheltering in place. The message I sent to my family and friends in the wake of the news I got that morning strikes me now as eerily apt for the times we're living in. I want to share a bit of it with you now. I got the message I've been anticipating for months, but it wasn't the one I hoped for. As is annually the case in the Fulbright U.S. Scholar Program, the number of well-qualified applicants exceeded the number of grants available and the limited funding for placement abroad. I didn't get the Fulbright. I've spent the past few days thinking about success and the almost success that feels more like failure. I keep coming back to the trees of my childhood, my favorite of which was a crab apple, sturdy enough to hold me in its branches. As a kid in Minnesota, spring could mean blooms or snow, sometimes in that order. On rare occasions, ice storms hit, bending, breaking, or destroying the trees. I lived for spring, and yet I secretly celebrated those ice storms because they transformed my world into glitter and glass. Many years later, I learned that Minnesota is home only to trees that have learned to adapt. My beloved crabapple blossomed every spring because it had learned to survive. Right now, as we enter week four of shelter in place, it's so easy to look around and see only broken branches. I felt a bit like those ice storm trees this past month. I've had my moments of seeing the glitter and glass, of course, but that doesn't negate the underlying reality of sickness and death in our world, a reality that was there all along, but has come into sharper focus with COVID-19. This week is also Holy Week, the final week of Lent. It strikes me that shelter in place has been a kind of forced Lenten season for us all. We're fasting from our usual lives, unable to bury our disappointment and grief in the usual flurry of activity, work, and pleasure. Some of us are not going to recover. But this isn't the end of the story. Our world will continue after COVID-19. It's up to us to decide if the one we go back to will be any different. I think it would be easy to jump back into the frenzy, to forget everything this season is teaching us. I already feel the creeping anxiety of having to pick up all of the balls I've dropped these past few weeks, of ramping up to the warp speed of my previous life. I'm enough of a realist to know that this is not only possible, but probable. Still, there's that persistent hope of spring, that maybe we can do it differently. Not just embracing the glitter and glass, but rethinking the entire landscape. I wish I could offer you something concrete, 
a plan to roll out for a better world for all of us, a world where we could do a better job of respecting or even learning from each other's traditions. But I'm still figuring out the rhythms of this season for my own family. It's going to be a while before I can get my head around the next one. I'm looking forward to Easter, to the end of Lent. It'll be nice to have something to celebrate for a change. But knowing that the season we're all in is going to go on for a long time keeps me coming back to Lent and grateful for the rhythms it's taught me. Thanks for being on this journey with me. Here's to making it to spring. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.